Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Elevate, y'all ready? Let's go up, let's go up, let's go up, let's go up. I'm excited that you're here. One last time, turn to that person next to you and say, I'm so glad you get to sit next to me. Come on, tell them that. I am so glad you get to sit next to me. Wow. You may be seated. I'm going to throw you. this like that right there so they can take care of that. Okay. The only pillows I need in my house are the one Pastor Sheila puts all over our furniture and all over our bed. And you know, when I was growing up, Josh, just making up the bed was one thing. But now it's a whole nother level, man. I mean, we got like 50 pillows on our bed. And so I just see pillows and I think, man, I don't need another pillow. Y'all just take care of the pillow. But anyway, I love your pillows, Pastor Precious. I love your pillows. <laughs> How many of you men are feeling me right now? Y'all understand what, what, what you're saying? Like, hey, I just want to sit on the couch. Oh, but listen, there's about 12 pillows on our couch. Yeah, but couches are made to sit on, not to, dem, not to uh, illustrate, demonstrate, perpetuate pillow, pillows. Yeah. Anyway, so let's get on with the message. <laughs> I don't have any issues today, and I know you don't either, but man, we're, we're so honored to have you, and uh, thank you for being here. I'm this, get, I, uh, I don't need this. There either. you go, Josh. See? There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm a I'm, father like son. I, I that's raised you right, That's son. what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow you. We'll be adjusting that pillow the whole time. Yeah, I'll be messing with it. I, I, shouldn't t- I shouldn't tell this next story. Yeah. So go ahead. Let's I just, really shouldn't let's say. Let's just take a vote. <laughs> How many of you let's would take like a vote. me to share a story of course I shouldn't gonna... share? How many of you, like Pastor Sheila, would just rather me keep this one to myself? So, Josh... I think that was a false vote. There was a hack. <laughs> Someone just hacked this vote. I was, about, I was about 11 years old. Okay. Maybe 12. And um, I was a part of... I was 1972. A, I, I was a Boy Scout. And so our troop leader and his son were friends of mine. And uh, so we were going to go to, to a camp, you know, to go camping. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know I what's was, about to happen. You're so, laughing well, at what you're about to say. Because first of all, I don't like to camp. I like the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I know there's Y'all a lot of guys. A lot of guys they love to camp and love to rough it. I mean, you know what? Okay. But anyway, so, um, so anyway, so I'm in the back seat, and so they've got a pillow there, and so I'm thinking, Man, oh, this, you shouldn't tell this story. I know I, this story. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, I'm tired. I lay my head on the pillow. Well, I hear my friend in the front seat with his dad start to laugh. And I said. This is like a big old station wagon, right, that yeah, you're driving I go, in. I go, hey, what are you laughing at? He goes, well, that's our, that's our fart pillow. <laughs> Who's ever had that in their car? Like, we, we have such Some such of these people are going to from now on. It's like, what's that pillow? We have such pillow? stomach issues. We have to keep a pillow. To cover your profuse gas. So I think, here's the reason I this share. This is what we're talking about today, Here's the reason church. I share this story. <laughs> First of all, we were in the back, Josh and I, 
watching his mother. And I said, and she, he goes, she is just so, like, what was your word? She's so proper, so She's so, she's so proper. Like Who she says said, luncheon? Today there's a luncheon. And so, so Josh, I said, Josh, she is the only dignity I have. Oh, <laughs> and I am proving that right In this, this story, yeah. second. But anyway, I think that's why I have a problem with pillows. Okay. I, I see pillows and I think. That's I really remember. what we wanted to hit on today. <laughs> Pillow problems. It's the title of our message. Okay, here we go. So, <laughs> so glad y'all are here. And uh, Josh, you know, this series is one of the most profound series we've ever done. Uh, because lifeosophy is a word that we coined because truly everybody has a philosophy of life. And, but most people have more of a philosophy of life by default and by design because they don't know they can have a philosophy of life by design. And so your philosophy of life can be summed up in three words, how you think, so your think, how you be, the way you choose to be as a person, your attitudes, your behaviors, your beliefs, and your do, whatever it is that you decide to do in life. And so we believe this, that, that your think plus your be plus your do will equal what you have in life. And there's a whole lot of people, they, they don't have the marriage they want. They don't have the family they want. They don't have the business they want. They're not financially where they want to be. They don't have the finances that they want. They don't have the life that they want, and they can't figure it out. And so they just get stuck, or they give into uh, just not realizing what they're giving into is, is less than what God has yeah. for them because they don't understand how powerful their thinking, their being, and their doing is. And so one of the things that we wanted to do in this series was to provoke you in the most positive sense to know that you, you, you can have a philosophy of life by design. You, within that philosophy of life, there can be a great philosophy of marriage. There can be a great philosophy of parenting. And these are all things, Josh, that, that, that were born, like even in my own spirit through the years with how uh, Pastor Sheila and I have done marriage, how we've raised our family. And, and, uh, and so one of the reasons we wanted to, to, to do this series was to hopefully provoke you in the most positive sense to go, I'm not going to live on the default side of life. Like I'm going to have a philosophy of life I'm going to have a way that I think, a way that I be, a way that I do life, that I can have what God says I can have. Come on, y'all put an amen on amen. that. And that's why we did this yep. series, Josh. Yes, that's, why we're, that's why we're doing this. So I'm going to kick it to you. I'm very excited about today. First service was amazing as we, as we end this part yes, of, of, of this series, Life Awesome. Well, I love what you say. One of the things that Pastor Keith says is these aren't the only things we're going to talk about, but these are the things we're always going to talk about. A unique distinctive of our church, if you're new to our church, is we talk a lot about what I would call practical philosophy. And uh, if you've been in church a long time or you're like maybe more theological, uh, philosophy can sound like a curse word because it seems like this atheistic thing that's like anti-God. Uh, but all of us have philosophy because all philosophy is is deciding how to live. And every day we think, you heard Pastor Keith say it, every day we think thoughts. Having a philosophy of life says I'm going to be intentional about what I think about. Every day we have attitudes. We, we be a certain way. Uh, having a philosophy of life says, I'm going to be intentional about my attitude. And every day we do things. And so having a, a, a philosophy of life, one of our, what we call our mastery goal here at Elevate Life is that we want to help people 
develop a biblical philosophy of life that, em, that empowers them to reach their God-given potential. God wants us to live a certain kind of life. Uh, and so, so that's what we've been talking about throughout this series. We started this series a few weeks ago with talking about what is the meaning of life, and we're ending it with how to have a great life. So in, in Matthew chapter 13, what Jesus says is he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. This is the picture that Jesus paints of what it means to follow him, what his kingdom is. Last week, Pastor Keith talked about thinking kingdom, being powerful, and doing glory. In John chapter 10, Jesus Uh, In the Amplified Version, what he says is he says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus, he says, I came that that you may have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. How many of you want to have that kind of life? Come on. Now, let let me pause and just say this, that the thief is the devil. Jesus calls the devil a thief. Why does he call him a thief? Because he describes it. These are his words. Again, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal. What does he want to steal from you? There's a reason in our world without a biblical worldview that there's now 72 genders. Officially. 72 genders. Because the enemy wants to steal your identity. And once you do not understand, or once, let's put it this way, when you do not understand that there are two genders, there are males and there are females. And you have to work through, you have to work through whatever philosophical thought process. And we talked about what, what, what makes mindsets so important last week. People's own mindsets produce ideologies. Ideologies produce narratives. Narratives produce stories that we tell ourselves and that we tell other people, and we listen to other people's stories, and those stories ultimately determine our identity. And so what happens when your mindset is not based on the Word of God, when you don't realize that that God wants you to have an abundant life, an overflowing life, you'll you'll never understand that there is a thief, and he wants to steal your identity. He He wants to kill. Well, what is it that he wants to kill? Any dream that you would ever have. Hopefully, if you're married, you have a dream for your marriage. Hopefully, if you're in business, you have a dream for your business. Hopefully, if you're living on any level, in any sphere of your life right now, there's dreams that you have. But what happens? What, why does the enemy want to kill your dreams? Because he never wants you to know that you're God's son and you're God's daughter, and therefore you can make the, the, what is impossible, possible yeah. with God. When you really begin to realize that, it's like, wow, my dreams really can come true. The dreams that I'm dreaming. So the devil wants to kill your dreams. But then ultimately, he doesn't just come to, to, to steal your identity or to kill your dreams, but he comes to destroy your God-given potential. The potential that God has given you, not just the potential that you have as a human being, but the potential or capacity that God has given you as a spirit, as a soul, and as a body. You are a triune being. And so understanding that God has given you this potential, you say, what's the potential? To be like him. 
to, be, to, to have his glory manifest in your life, which Josh is going to talk about in a minute. So I want to just say that to you from a very revelational standpoint. You can look at that scripture, and even a lot of Christians know that scripture. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, and life more abundantly. Yes, I want that. But they never stop to think, well, what's, what's he trying to steal from me? What's he trying to kill in me? What's he trying to, trying to destroy before it ever happens? My future that potentially I see the possibilities that God has for me. He wants to destroy that by virtue of you not acknowledging who he is yeah. and that he is the God of abundance. Yeah. And so, so one, of the, one of the frameworks that we use when we communicate here about our thoughts, attitudes, and actions is your think plus your be plus your do equals what you have in life. And so Pastor Keith, last week, like I said, he talked about think kingdom, be powerful, do glory. And if we can think kingdom, be powerful, and do glory, we can have this kind of life. It's possible. And, and one, of the, one of the pictures I want to I paint for us today is um, there's, there's two worlds that we, that we live in. Um, one is the human world, which is the life that we have today. The other is the, is the spirit world. So um, there's a saying, Pierre de Telhard, Pierre Telhard de Chardin, is credited with saying we're not human beings having spiritual experiences, we're spiritual beings having human experiences. Uh, we're spirit, souls, and bodies, right? And so a lot of times um, we read verses like this and we think that that's all based in eternity. If you're a Christian, you walk with God a long time, a lot of times we can read this verse and say, okay, like that means that eventually God wants me to have life to the full and I'll probably really have a hard life and then eventually when I get to heaven, I'll have a really cool mansion and there'll be streets of gold uh, because I was really poor on the earth. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is he uses this word abundance in the Greek, it's parasos. And um, the word that Jesus uses is a practical term that means that which is not ordinarily encountered, extraordinary, remarkable, beyond what is necessary. Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that a man found. Treasure is not something that you need. Treasure's more than what's necessary for us. Jesus came so that on this side of eternity, our lives can be remarkable. Yeah. Our lives can be extraordinary. Yeah. Our lives can be filled with more than we need. A lot of times in the churches I grew up in, most of the conversation, unfortunately, was just about how God is a God that supplies our needs. And that's absolutely true. Is that what Jesus intends? Not really, that's the base level of what it's supposed to be. It's not like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to make my, paint, my house payment and I found a dollar in my wallet. Jesus is the one that says, I want you to have life to where your life is remarkable and extraordinary and it overflows and you always have more than is necessary. Yeah. So, so again, a lot of times people will say, and it sounds humble, well, you know, I just don't need that much. I'm, I'm really good, and this is especially in the church world. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm really good. I don't need, you know, I don't, I don't need much. And, you know, I don't need to drive that kind of car. And I don't need a big house. And I don't need, and so it's not about that. God wants to give you more than is necessary. A remarkable life that is more than is necessary for you. Why? Because he wants to bless you. Because he wants you to be a blessing. blessing. Come on. And that's so, our verse for the month, this month that you've said yeah. in May. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. 
That God wants to, us to abound in grace, in good things, so that we can be a blessing to other people. Yeah. That's literally what Scripture says. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's his goal. If you read, yeah, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Paul says that God will produce a rich harvest of generosity in you so that you can always be generous, so that you'll always have more left over than what you need. That's what Jesus wants for us. Now the, now the question is, is if this is true, why don't more Christians experience this life? Because yeah. I don't know about you, but unfortunately, most of the Christians that I've encountered throughout my life do not live in abundance. Well, Josh, you know, I'll tell you this. Uh, and again, I was probably, you know, I was very young, and, but I can remember, uh, I remember this particular um, scene because there was this old dilapidated, broken down uh, station wagon that had an Herbalife or Herbalife sticker on it and said, if you want to learn how to succeed, follow me. And I can remember looking at that going, hmm, no, I won't be following that. Like when you think about remarkable, because this is what Jesus said, I want you to have a remarkable life. I want you to have a remarkable marriage. I want you to have a remarkable business. I want you to have a remarkable existence on this side of eternity. You're my sons and you're my daughters, but you need to understand something. This is what you follow to make that happen. It's not following a business plan. It's not following this or that. It's following this with any business plan that you have that is focused on the yeah. kingdom and focused on abundance and the reason behind why God wants us yeah. to have abundance. Yeah. And this is what, G like, we didn't make this up before we came out here. Jesus said, I want, I have come yeah. to the earth so that your life can be extraordinary, yeah. so that your life can be remarkable. And the question for me is why don't, if this was true, and if it was that easy, how come everybody doesn't live that way, that follows Jesus? Um, in, in the Western world, in the world that we live in, in America, um, we have, we have uh, in the church, we have what's called a, um, like a salvation culture where everything's kind of focused on just, just believe in Jesus. Just make Jesus Lord of your life, and that's pretty much all you have to do, and he'll, he'll take care of the rest. Uh, Jesus paid it all, and he'll just, he'll just do whatever that it is that we need. And so, so we read that verse, and we think, well, if I just believe in Jesus and I get saved, then everything's going to be taken yeah. care of, not just eternity, but also on this side of eternity. Yeah. So because I'm a Christian, I'll automatically have a good marriage. Because I'm a Christian, I'll automatically be successful because that's what Jesus wants for me, and I really, I really think that he should just make it happen for me. Um, most of us believe, or many of us, not most of us, but many Christians, it's easy for them to believe uh, that salvation is the end goal. That the goal of your life with God is, to, is for God to get you and I to a place where we just accept the deity of Jesus and go, okay, you're God and I don't want to go to hell. That's, that's the starting point. Yeah. That's not the end of the journey. Yeah. That's the end of the human journey that we take, and that's the beginning of the spiritual journey with God. So many people that have been saved still have lived bad lives. They, many, they, 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 haven't, they haven't lived in abundance. Yes. And, and the reason for that, Josh, is because every person here who has ever um, come to God and has said, God, I need you in my life. I need, and, and we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That means we've missed the mark. So because we, when we realize, hey, I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a Savior, we receive the Savior part of Jesus, 
but we don't receive the Lord part of Jesus. Mm. The King of Kings part of Jesus. And so our sins are forgiven. I grew up in church, yeah. so I can address this. I grew up in church, and I saw a lot of people with a poverty mentality, Josh. Didn't even know they had a poverty mentality because they'd been forgiven. They knew they were going to heaven, but they came to Jesus. Watch this. And they decided, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I need forgiveness of my sins. But their thinking never changed. Their being never changed. Their attitudes, their behaviors, their beliefs truly never changed. And what they did as a person should never change. Like if you call yourself a believer, there should be a distinctive difference between you and other believers. It's not just, well, I believe in Jesus, but use the same language the world uses. Like, I, 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 I love God, but uh, give me another drink. I'm just saying there's got to be a distinctive difference that your behaviors, your beliefs, and your attitudes line up with this, with this book, not just that I've rolled Jesus into the mix. Yeah. And me yeah. and Jesus are cool. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not about that. And so, so what, I've, what I've seen is that there's a whole lot of people who don't understand. Here's, what, here's, here's where it first happened when the Bible talks about how Jesus was anointed as the Son of God. He, he obeyed God and was baptized by John the Baptist. And when he came up out of the water, God spoke. Everybody could hear God speak. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But he didn't stop there. Dot, dot, dot. Hear him. This is my beloved son in whom I will well please. Now hear him. The first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth was ultimately Jesus' mission statement. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is within your grasp. Let me say it a different way. Repent is metanoia, which in the Greek, which actually means change your thinking. Because the kingdom of God is within your grasp. But some of you never become the beneficiaries of the abundance of the kingdom of God because you get forgiven, but you don't get transformed. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. that's why we're talking yeah. about this, Josh. Yeah. It's, it's a philosophy of yeah. life that is based on biblical truths yeah. that we view the world through a biblical worldview to say, okay, God, how do you want me to think? Yeah. How do you want me to be? What do you want me to do so I can have what you say I can have, yeah. and that's an abundant life. And so, so there, we're spiritual beings having human experiences. We still have a human experience. Here's the, we're, not, we're not up here saying, hey, salvation doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Jesus and, and God massively cares about our eternity. Ultimately, he, he went, he paid an extraordinary price. He died on the cross so that we can be reconciled to God and have our eternity be secure. That doesn't guarantee anything on the human side of things. Drama, dysfunction, discontentment, these are just as present in the lives of many Christians today as they are in people that aren't Christians. Because for a lot of people, unfortunately, Christianity is just a belief system. But the Very Bible good. says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, Paul said, confess with your, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, not that Jesus Christ is God, he said, if Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. Lord means leader. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is your leader, then you will be saved. So what is, what is God trying to get us to understand? Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, doesn't say go into all the world and get people saved. It says go into all the world and teach people to obey all that I have commanded you. 
So faith makes us right with God, but faith doesn't give us the ability to live life right. So we can, we can believe in Jesus, we can be saved, we can have eternity be secure, and still screw up a lot on this side of eternity. Yeah. We, can, we can believe in Jesus, we can believe in all of this different stuff, we can be saved, but not ever experience an abundant life, yeah. not ever be remarkable, not ever be extraordinary, or worst case scenario, be remarkable in the wrong ways. Well, that's remarkable, you've been married 18 times, that's incredible, it's extraordinary. It's not really a story that we want to tell. So salvation does not represent the end of the journey. It represents the beginning of the journey that God wants, us to, God wants to take us on. Yeah. So Jesus says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that was found in a field. A man went and sold everything that he had to buy that treasure. We are the, the humans in that story. So salvation is finding the field. We found the treasure. Abundance is selling everything you have to get it. So what Jesus does is he comes into our life. And a few weeks ago, I was, I was up here with Pastor Keith and I called him the didaskalos. Didaskalos is a Greek word that um, people in schools of philosophy used to refer to the master of the school as, because that meant master or teacher. Jesus, the disciples, when they rolled with Jesus, they used the same word. They used the word didaskalos in the Greek, which meant that he is the one that's showing us how to live through the way that he lives life. If you and I want to be remarkable on this side of eternity, if we want to be extraordinary on this side of eternity, if we want to live an abundant life more than what's necessary on this side of eternity, the, the question we have to ask ourselves is what is my remarkable price for that? What is the extraordinary price I'm going to have to pay for an extraordinary marriage? What am I going to have to do that's more than what's necessary out of me so that I can get the treasure that God has for me. Not in the future, you don't have to earn salvation, but on this side of eternity, you gotta earn a great marriage. On this side of eternity, I gotta earn great children. On this side of eternity, there's, there's, price, there's a price that I have to pay for the destiny that God has for me on, in my human experience. When I was growing up, um, and especially as I got older, when I was growing up, Pastor Keith used to say something over me every night that I say over my kids to this day, and that's you can be anything you want to be, and you can have anything you want to have as long as you're willing to pay your price. And there's a lot of people that don't believe that because right. they only hear the first part of the statement. You can be anything you want to be, and you can have anything you want to have. That's not true if you don't do the second part. You can have anything you want to have as long as you're willing to pay your price for that. A friend of mine, Jensen Franklin, says it like this, and I love the way he says it. He says, I used to see successful people and ask the question, wow, how did they do that? He said, I don't do that anymore. He said, now I see somebody that has any level of success or abundance in their life, and I say, what kind of price did they pay to get that? Yeah. To get that? Yeah. What was the price? What, what, is the, what is the price you pay to have a great marriage? What is the price you pay to have a great business? What is the, great, the price you pay to have great relationships? Can you really have a great marriage? Yes. What kind of price are you willing to pay? Yeah. You can have a great business. What kind of price are you willing to pay? You can have a great body. What kind of price are you willing to pay? You can have great finances. What kind of price are you willing to pay? You see, when it comes to finances, that's, that's a lot of times just the big hiccup because when we think of treasure, that's what we think of. But Jesus uses that analogy. There was this treasure in the field, right? And, but, the, but the man didn't just go get the treasure. 
he went and he bought the field. In other words, he, he paid the price to get the treasure, mm-hmm. but bought the whole field that represents the whole kingdom yeah. of God. Yeah, and so, so Jesus invites us into this life, and it's not about earning our salvation or earning eternity. But, but what, I would, what I would say to those of us in the, in the room that, that really have, feel like we walk with God, John 10, verse 10, um, Jesus says, I've come that on this side of eternity, he's not talking about one day in the future you'll have streets of gold. That's, that's going to happen. Great. He's saying on this side of eternity you can live this life. I have come that you may have this life. But an abundant life requires an abundant price out of us. Because he says the kingdom of heaven is like a man that found treasure in a field. And he, he didn't say, and, and God gave him the field. He didn't say God handed him the treasure because he said, I love you, God. He said the man took everything that he had, sold it so that he could buy the field. He took every way that he thought. He took every way of being that he was. He took every way of doing things in the past. And he said, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to change. Yes. I'm going to change my thinking my being and my doing. And that's what Pastor Keith said about metanoia. What's, what's more valuable to you than how you think? What's more valuable to you than your attitude? What's more valuable to you than what, than what you do? So in life, this is what Jesus invites us into, is, is being these kind of people that we say, okay, God, I want a remarkable life, so I'm willing to pay a remarkable price for that. Uh, when, what I was going to finish with was when I was in my 20s, Pastor Keith started to talk to me about what do I want out of life? You know, what do I feel like my dreams are? And uh, um, Pastor Keith would be like, yeah, you know, I believe in that. Um, but let me ask you a question. What kind of price are you willing to pay for that? I'm like, well, I don't want to talk about that. It's not really inspiring, you know. How, how much are you willing to bleed for that thing? But this is the same question that God asks out of us. So there's a, there's a really great story that I, I like. There's a guy named Forrest Finn. And uh, in 2010, he was 80 years old. He's a former Air Force pilot and a really like eccentric guy. So he collected art and all kinds of stuff. And he took a treasure chest and he hid it somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Now, if you don't know a lot about the Rocky Mountains, the Rocky Mountains stretch 3,000 miles from New Mexico all the way up to Canada. And he took a 40-pound treasure chest. He filled it with gold, coins, jewelry, diamonds, emeralds, rubies, and sapphires. And the value was estimated somewhere around $2 million. He wrote a book called The Thrill of the Chase. And in this book, he told stories that were hints to the treasure. And he had a specific poem in there that, was, uh, that had nine different clues that was supposed to function like a map for seekers to go find it. And as, as far as we know, as many as, as uh, up to 350,000 people, maybe more, searched for this treasure and five people actually died in search of the treasure. Uh, 10 years later, on uh, June 6th uh, of 2020, the treasure was found. Finn, Forrest Finn passed away six months later, and the finder was a guy named Jack Stoof, who was a, a medical student. And this is how he described finding the treasure. He said, the moment it happened was not the triumphant Hollywood ending some surely envisioned. It just felt I, it just felt like I had just survived something and was fortunate to come out the other end. For so long, I thought I might be haunted for the rest of my days by knowing where the treasure was but being unable to find it. Would I still be out there in that section of forest 50 years from now looking for it? When I finally found it, the primary emotion was not joy but rather the most profound 
feeling of relief in my entire life. This is, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever paid a really high price for something, like in terms of really fighting for a relationship or really fighting for what you feel like God has for you. But usually when you get to the end of that, you're like, oh my gosh, thank God it worked. It's joy and it's exciting and it's amazing. It's one thing to know treasure exists. It's one thing to know God wants us to have an abundant life. It's another thing to do everything that you can to go find it, dig in the ground, and do the hard work right. to, to, uh, to uh, attain that treasure that God has for us. And so often in life, we can go through life and think, well, that's like it maybe can feel like this Forrest Finn story where it's a shot in the dark and you gotta go find the treasure. The great thing about Jesus and, and God is that he said, okay, like what I want you to do is this is not just a, a series of clues. This is a literal map that you can follow. And there's a guy named Jesus that came to the earth and he lived a certain way. And if you live that life, you're gonna know where the treasure is and you're gonna know how to find it. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. That doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, but it means you can find it. But a lot of us that know God or we know about God, uh, most of us really do, whether we're Christians or not, we kind of know about the general idea of Jesus and scripture. We can live our whole lives and have access to the map of the treasure. And if you're a Christian, you can think, well, because I got a Bible in my house or because I know a little bit of scripture, then I'm living an abundant life. That's not true. Right. In uh, the first documented discovery of gold in the United States was made by a 12-year-old named, named Conrad Reed in 1799. He pulled a 17-pound gold nugget out of a creek in North Carolina. Today, gold is worth $2,000 an ounce. So that means that Conrad Reed pulled $544,000 in today's money out of a creek. Some of you got a creek by your house, you go check it out today. <laughs> Not knowing its value, his family used the gold nugget as a doorstop for several years. True story, 100% true story. A jeweler found out that they were using a 17-pound gold nugget as a doorstop, showed up at their house and said, hey, I'd like to buy your doorstop. How much would you charge me for it? His dad thought of, thought of the most exorbitant amount of money that he could think about at the time, and that was one week's wages, $3.50. He said, if you give me $3.50, you can take my doorstop. It's true worth in 1799, would have been $3,600, 1,000 times what they sold it for. We can be in possession of gold the whole time. That doesn't mean we know it's gold. And that doesn't mean that it's valuable to us. You think in your mind, well, that's $1,799. People were really stupid back then. <laughs> when God talks about abundance, though, Josh, it's so beyond. The Bible says in... 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, the ninth verse, that your eye hasn't seen, your ears haven't heard. It hasn't even entered into your heart the great things that God has in store yeah. for you. Yeah. The great things. What, what does great mean there in the context? The abundance that God has for you. Your eyes haven't seen it. Your ears haven't heard it. It hasn't even entered into your heart yet. But watch this. He goes on to say this. But we have to have the mind of Christ so that we know even what we're hunting for and what we're looking for. Everybody today, Josh, is looking for happiness, but they're not necessarily looking for abundance. Everybody today is looking for money, but they're not necessarily looking for abundance from God's perspective. Everybody wants what they think should be rightfully theirs, 
but you got to pay a price yeah. for what God has in store for yeah. you. And so, in uh, around around 2006, a Filipino fisherman was looking for what he thought he wanted. He was fishing, and uh, he found a 75-pound pearl in the water. This pearl is is one feet wide and two feet long. He took it home and hid it under his bed as a good luck charm. It stayed under his bed for more than 10 years, and when he was moving, it weighed so much, he didn't want to move it to his new house, so he gave it to a relative for self-keeping. His relative said, I think, this is, I think this is a pearl, and took it in to the Filipino government, had them take a look at it, and it's estimated that that pearl that he found is worth $100 million. $100 million. Everybody say abundance. Abundance. That's like a good place to start. So we can go through life. We can go through life like Pastor Keith just said and think, well, all of this other stuff is valuable to me. And we're sitting on $100 million just laying under our bed. And you know what Jesus said? Again, Jesus taught in parables. More than two-thirds of his teaching were through parables. And he came back to this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. And yet you hear these modern-day stories, Josh, and it's, it's pretty phenomenal. He's and trying to give us a picture. In the story of, in the story of Forrest Finn, um, the treasure, you can read this. Jack Stoof talks about how the treasure was, he hid it when he was 80. So it's not like he hid it up in, on top of a mountain somewhere. The treasure was about a mile from the road. People drove by it every day. Like how many of us, we have the Bible on our phone. We've got Bible apps. We've got a Bible in our house that's like just a family Bible that sits there. And I'm not saying that to be a little preacher guy that's like, hey, get your head, get your head in the Word and all that different kind of stuff. What I do want to say is grace guarantees eternity, but it doesn't guarantee an abundant life. So if all we do, if the only knowledge that we, that if the only thing we have is knowledge, knowledge that Jesus loves me, knowledge that Jesus wants me to go, go to heaven, that's a beautiful thing to have, to have eternity secure. But God wants so much more than that for our life. But what we have to do is, number one, understand how valuable that is. But the second thing is we got to buy the field. And we got to not make it about everything else, yeah. everything else that we got going on, everything else that we want, everything else that we need. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure that was in a field. And a man took everything that he had and got rid of it and said, I want the treasure in that field more than I want anything else. And I would challenge many of us today to say we are not willing to do that with Jesus. We're like, I will do everything except get rid of my unforgiveness towards a person, God. I'll do everything except have a good attitude with my boss. I'll do everything except stay married to this person. I'll do everything except X. And Jesus is like, you don't want the treasure in the field. And you can go to heaven and you can be that way, but you can't have a great life and be that way. We can't have remarkable lives and not be willing to pay the price for that. And it's okay if we're not willing to pay the price. I remember one time there was a friend of mine who... Uh, dated Keela when Keela had just gone to college. And uh, this person, like legit, true story, 100% true story. They sat down with my parents and uh, they said, you know, I don't think, they sat down with my parents and Keela and they said, I don't think that me and Keela are going to work out. And they were just dating. And uh, he, he said, you know, Keela's like a Ferrari. And honestly, I'm just not willing to pay the price for a Ferrari. And I said, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for your honesty. It's great to talk to you. Get your out of my... No, so, 
So, so what? Sorry, we, Pastor Precious, I just came across. So wrong. what we have to? I want to be sweet. What we have to admit to ourselves. What we have to admit to ourselves is that it's really great to want stuff. It's great to want stuff and to have the right motive and to say, God, I, w- I want to be a kingdom person. And I think God's response to that on the human side of things, again, like I said, it's not about earning salvation, but on the human side of things, it's like, cool, man, you want to have a great marriage. Are you willing to pay that price? And there's times for all of us as human beings where we just go, man, I'm not really willing to pay the price today for that. There's times in my life where I'm like, you know, I know that like eating bad is uh, not good, but I feel like going to a Chinese buffet tonight. So me and Pastor Keith did last night. Man, you <laughs> I talk said, about I said abundance. I couldn't, I couldn't get my wedding hey. ring on today because of I feel like the sodium hey, was I'll tell intense. you what, Josh, here's the bottom line. Your wife wasn't with you. Precious wasn't with me. I said, you know, your mother hates Chinese buffets. I said, but I'm telling you, man, to me, this is what abundance is all about. I said, I said, Josh, I said, Josh, would you go to the Great Wall of China with me? He said, I'd be glad to, Dad. We walked into that place. I didn't even go to the table. I just went and looked at that trough and that trough and that trough. And I thought, man, I don't buffet. have enough hands for all the food. I'm about to load up in these plates right here. And we had a glorious it was time. Glorious. Did we have a glorious, it glorious. time? It was you talk about abundance. You talk about abundance. Now listen, you might think I ate a lot, but it was a joy to watch Josh eat when I was through. <laughs> he just kept going on. I said, Josh, remember they close at nine. It's 9.05. All the little people, they've been working all day. Please stop. Around Sir, please stop. Please. <laughs> the, the, the lady came by and she had this look on her face like, oh my do goodness. you need more? And uh, we say, yeah, leave it all open just a little longer. <laughs> Because Josh is about to go back. Josh, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about abundance. Here's what I want you guys to know. God wants you to have an abundant marriage. Come on. He wants you to have an abundant business. He wants you to have his buffet, his kingdom, that you walk into this place and you say, I've been settling for less. Come on, church. Woo! Yeah. And... Here's, here's what we can see with people that, that we've seen at Heroes. <laughs> Josh, let's take it down. Let's go back. Dad. So with people, that are, with people that we've seen, you know, sometimes for me in my, in my, in my mind as a, as a person, I just go, man, is this really worth it? You know, not to eat. I can, that's always worth it. Uh, but is it really worth it for me, to, for me to stick with this? Is it really worth it for me to pay this price? And there's been so many people that each one of us knows that have gone before us that would tell us, whether they're people in the scripture or people that we know personally, that would tell us it is not easy, but it's worth it. Yeah. Here's the great thing about Jesus. This is a 100% ironclad guarantee with Jesus. He said, I have come to this earth so that you can have life and life to the full. I've come to this earth and I've blazed a trail. I've made a way so that you can live a remarkable, extraordinary life, so that you can live a life where you always have more than what's necessary, but you gotta be willing to choose that life over the life that you think you want right now. You gotta be willing to sell everything you have and go and buy the field because you know where the treasure is. And that's what it means for us. When we decide to have a biblical philosophy of life, 
What we're saying is, God, I don't need to think how I think. I need to think how you think. Yeah. God, I don't need to be how I am. I don't need to be in a room. There's so many people. The way they live is, I just want to be in a place where I'm okay with being okay. That's fine. Unremarkable, but that's fine. That's not abundance to just want to look for people that are just going to be okay with us being an idiot. Like, that's not what we should want. We should want people around us and want to be in rooms where we're challenged, where our attitudes are challenged, our thoughts are challenged, so that we can have an abundant life. Yeah, yeah, that's, what, yeah. that's what paying the price for the field is. So Paul says in Romans, and we started this series with this, Paul says in Romans, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Metanoia, Pastor Keith said it, repent, turn from your way of your human way of thinking and choose God's way of thinking. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing good. and perfect. There are things in our life that we're not always quite sure whether or not it's going to work. The 100% guarantee, like I said, is if we do it God's way, it will always work. Yeah. It might not work how we want, but it's going to work how he wants. Yeah. And what he wants is abundance. And so we have to think like God wants us to think. We have to think kingdom, not think us, not think success, not just think our personal sense of prosperity. And not just if we just live a life and we say, God, I just I just want my needs met. We're not thinking kingdom. Yeah. Kingdom says have more than you need so that you can sow. Yeah. If it's always about just getting what we need, then we're never able to sow because we're just trying to survive. God wants us to thrive. Yeah. Right? That's what we teach here at Elevate Life Church. You know, there was a, there was a conversation like me and all the guys I go work out with every day. Uh, we're playing worship music in the gym. We're listening to Elevate Life Foundations. You know, people are like, what are you guys? You guys are like out here just acting, acting like a bunch of gym dudes. Then you're talking about Jesus and God and talking in the sauna about what God's doing in your life. And so I had a person come up to me a month or two ago in the gym and they said, they said, hey, are you guys like church people? I said, yeah, I'm a church guy. Church people. <laughs> and um, he said, where do y'all go to church? I said, well, I'm a pastor at Elevate Life down, down the road. And he said, oh, okay. Y'all are one of those prosperity gospel churches, huh? And I said, well, I said, you know, prosperity means a lot of different things to a lot of people, but let me ask you a question. He goes, okay. I said, do you want to make more money at your job? He's like, for sure. Do you think, do you think that it would be cool to be a millionaire? He's like, absolutely. You think God agrees with that? Yeah, I think so. Man, sounds like you believe in the prosperity gospel. God didn't, God didn't create us to have a life where we just have what we need. Right. God created us to have a life that's extraordinary, it's remarkable, that's more than necessary. If that wasn't true, Jesus wouldn't talk about this life like it's treasure. He wouldn't say abundance. He would say, I've come to this earth so that you don't, you know, die of starvation. So we've got to, we've got to think kingdom with the way that we think. And yeah. then we've got to have an attitude like God. We've got to be powerful. That's what Pastor Keith talked about last week. You know, one of the things that I feel like I'm learning and have learned in my life is how to, what is it, you know, what it means to have a powerful attitude. Because I'm not always like, you know, uh, just easy. I'm not really like uh, the fun guy in the room always. You know, everyone else around me has to be fun because I'm, just not that fun. You're fun and, uh, for me. People so. help me have fun. You're fun for me. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so I'm not like I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a person that just I, I struggle with being cynical. I struggle with myself and my attitude. And so I've had to learn a lot with Pastor Keith and in my life just about what does it mean to have a good attitude? Because I can't be like 
just easy going like, oh, we're just going to have a great time today. That's not who I am. Um, I'm the guy that's like, okay, it's going to be hard. It's going it's to be good. We're going to make it happen. We might bleed a little bit. You Josh, might lose an arm. Josh, we're going to win. Josh, you know, that's more. Josh, <laughs> here, here's the truth. Josh in and of himself, and, and many of you will identify with this. He's a catastrophist. I am a catastrophist. And, I'm and, great and, at thinking and, of all the things that are going to go wrong. And here's, here's one of his life sentences that's had to change. When is the other shoe going to drop? Like if it's good, like when is the other shoe going to drop? Yeah. And again, that's a, that's a, that's a natural way of thinking yeah. for people, usually like yourself, that are brilliant. I don't know. Not, not no, you smart, are. You're brilliant. Like that. you're a contemplator. And the most... The most You know, and here's, here's how funny God is. He used somebody like me to raise somebody like him. Because the truth is, I'm not brilliant, but I have access to the kingdom, to the wisdom of God, to say, okay, God, I want to I do life your way. So I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I've got access to the author of the wisdom of the ages, and so do you. Yeah. So it's not about... It's not about being the smartest person in the room. It's not about being the richest person. It's not about being the most educated person. The Bible says, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said the race is not won by the person that's the fastest. The battle is not won by the person that's the strongest. The person who has wealth is not the person that's the most successful, but time and chance happens to them all. We all have time and we all have a chance. Yeah. And so when I look at Josh, we, Pastor Sheila and I, have cried more over Josh than any of our children because it's the truth. Because he's so precious and he's so smart. But listen to me. The devil, the thief, wants to steal and kill and to destroy. You don't have to be like anybody else. You just have to know God wants abundance for you. Yeah. And so don't let what somebody is or what somebody isn't separate you from being in right alignments. I'm sitting next to somebody who for the, my whole life has been my best friend. My whole life has been completely opposite. My whole life has been a teacher to me. And at the same time, how beautiful it is. Y'all, this is some of my heaven on earth just to get to sit on the stage with his brilliance and also to be a part of learning and growing along with you. So Josh, um, what, what, what you were saying is that, that you, attitude. You, you struggle with your yeah. attitude. And just go and, ahead. And so what I'm learning in this season of my life, I would say that I feel like God's teaching me is to be powerful, to have a, what does that mean to have a powerful attitude? Does that mean you're like really like, like intense and strong all the time? No, like the Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Yeah. You can be strong. You can be powerful. In second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, the Bible says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and yeah. love and self-discipline. In the book of Joshua, God says a bunch of times to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Yeah. Have a strong attitude. You know what that represents to me? The highest form, in my opinion, of a positive attitude is a person who's willing to not quit. Is a person who's willing to endure things. Because if you are enduring something, it's because you believe it can work out. If you quit, if you quit, it's because you don't think it's going to work out. If you quit anything, 
It's because you think, no, it's not going to work out. So in my, in my life, the first place I quit is my thinking. I think, I start to think this is not going to work out for me. The second place I quit is my attitude. I start to be negative. I start to complain. I start to gripe about stuff. I start to be, uh, to, to be contemptible towards people, to disrespect them because I don't think it's going to work out between us and our attitude. So then what's the next thing? I just do quit. I quit. But the, the highest form of positive attitude is not living life always with a smile on your face. If you can do that, it's beautiful. That's amazing. The highest form of positive attitude is being powerful and being strong in the Lord and knowing that God's got a great plan and he's going to work it out. And I can be strong and courageous in him. I don't need to have a spirit of fear that says this situation's not going to work out. It's not going to happen. You know, God's just not going to show up for me. I need to have a spirit of power and an attitude of power that says I'm in the situation as long as I'm in the situation, it can work out. As long as I don't quit, God can do a miracle here. As long as I keep showing up, as long as I keep bringing my best, as long as I have the attitude I need to have, I can, I can be powerful, not be powerful in me, but be powerful in God. What all of us have to do is get to the place where we live at the end of ourselves. Thank God I'm doing, I'm doing all I can right here. <laughs> I'm doing all I can and I know you're going to show up because then then what happens is we do glory. We act like God. You know what, I love, I love the Greek word for glory that the Bible uses, because glory is like this really, this word that's like, what does that mean that, to the glory of God? It's this word doxa, and the word doxa means the unspoken display of God. Doxa is not talking about it, doxa is being about it. Doxa, when a person is glorious, a person is, it's all about behavior. It's all about how you're acting. Doing glory, when we do glory, what we understand is I'm thinking kingdom, I'm being powerful, and what's happening is in every situation, I'm bringing God's glory in that situation. God is on display because of how I act with my wife. He's on display because of how I act with my kids. Good. He's on display because of how I act at my, how I act at my job. Yeah. I'm taking everything that I know and I'm applying that to my life, and I'm living an abundant life. Yeah. I'm doing the glory of God in every situation and circumstance that I'm in. And that's really hard. Like in, in, uh, in life, there's so many times where, especially uh, in our marriages, right? It's like I've been married, I'll, I'll be married for eight years in October, and so we have not yet begun to fight. And, <laughs> and so, so Courtney and I were talking the other day, and uh, I'm, you know, now I'm Courtney's project. I'm not Pastor Keith and Sheila's project anymore. And so Courtney was talking to me and she goes, um, you know, why am I even, we're in a fight. So we weren't talking, we were in a fight. And she said, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. It's probably not going to change. Because she said the same thing to me that I really do need to work on like a bunch of times. I don't know, more times than she can count, more times than I can remember. And I, I realized while we were talking, I said, no, like you're, you're saying this and we're having this conversation because you believe that I can change. Like you believe that it can get better. If you didn't say anything, that would have meant you quit on it. But the fact that you're saying something, the fact that we're sitting here and we're talking about this, there's this really cool moment in the middle of a fight. It's like it soothed all the anger because it's like, hey, we're going to get through it. The fact that you're saying something means we can do it. And that was Courtney in that situation to me, like doing the glory of God in, in that. Say, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep doing what I know to do, even when doing what I know to do doesn't seem to be getting any results. The glory of God in a situation, knowledge is really important, 
The Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Pastor Keith talks a lot about the difference between a theorist and a transformationalist. We can know a lot of stuff. That doesn't mean we apply it to our lives. You become transformational when you take what God's taught you and you apply it to your life in such a way where in your marriage, you're the remarkable one. Yeah. At your job, you're the remarkable one. In your life, you're the remarkable and extraordinary one. Why? Because you're doing the glory of God. You're doing doxa. You're bringing God's glory into that situation that without you, God would not be in that situation. Good. And if we do that, then what happens? We have the life God wants for us. We have an abundant life. We're remarkable people that are experiencing Beautiful. remarkable things. Let's stand up, son. We're just about through, but I want to give you, I just want to give you a thought process. Y'all can stand if you want. <laughs> Josh and I, were going to stand up, so go ahead and stand with us. Just, uh, just stand and stay put for a minute. Don't head, don't head to the doors yet. We're almost through. I want to encourage you to either write this statement down or go back and look at it and maybe adopt this as a life sentence in your life. And here's what it is. Be remarkable today because I have a destiny of abundance. Why should you be remarkable? Why should you be extraordinary? Why should you put the extra effort into an ordinary life? Because God has a destiny for abundance for you, but it does not happen without your choice to be remarkable. It does not happen, a great marriage does not happen without your extra effort. It's not just gonna happen. Great families don't just happen. There is no great progress without a great process. And so in the process, when you don't see the victory, in the process, when you don't see the end, in the process, when it becomes very difficult, and I love what you said, Josh, really get that, that when you're negative, it's because you've quit. Never allow yourself to be negative about people, places, and things. Never allow yourself to be negative about yourself because your negativity reveals that you've quit. God didn't make you to quit. Yeah. God made you to win. Yeah. Come on, y'all. He made you to win. So you've got to decide. I want to be remarkable. So be remarkable today because you have a destiny of abundance in your future. And I prophesy that and I speak that over your life and over your business and over your marriage and over everything that concerns you because you are God's son and you are God's daughter and baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come. So Josh, just go ahead and lead everybody in a prayer. And then we're gonna, before you go, we're gonna give you an opportunity to do some glory and that is to put God first, to put God first with your finances, to put God first, to, yeah. to be somebody that says, you know what, God, this is how I'm going to honor you. Yeah. So should ahead, we Josh. maybe be seated or I don't well, sure, know. We're almost right through, but yeah, go ahead and be seated. Just go and be yeah. seated. Yeah. Um, Cause we, we have an opportunity. No, nobody, nobody leave. Cause this is really important. You know, the one thing that you and I can't work hard enough to do is get right with God. This isn't a, this isn't yeah. a message today. That's like, Hey, be more obedient, stop sinning, and then your life will work. That, that's impossible. Yeah. What, what, what Jesus did that is miraculous and impossible for any one of us to do, he came to the earth, 
He died on a cross yeah. so that we could have a chance to even live an abundant life. Yeah. So that in eternity, our eternity can be secure. So when I, what I want to invite you to do is everyone that can hear my voice, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me, even if you're watching online. Because maybe today it's not about anything that we said. It's not about anything that happened in the service. God's just been dealing with you. The Bible yeah. says the goodness of God leads us to change, leads yeah. us to life change. Right now is a moment where maybe you can realize for the first time and not make an emotional decision, not do it out of shame or guilt or condemnation, but realize that Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. God is for you. God wants you to win. But what you gotta do is decide to give him everything about your life. That's a decision that you and I have to make. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no matter where you are or what you're doing in life right now, Everyone pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus thank, you thank you for loving me. For loving. Thank, you thank you for creating me. For creating me. Thank, you thank you for dying on a cross, on a cross for, my sins. for my sins. From this day forward, this day forward be Lord of my life. Lord of my life. I, give you my life. I give you my life. In your name I pray. Name I pray. Amen. Amen. So it's that easy to begin to metanoia, to begin to change. It's that easy to start the journey. And what we've said today is that this is really about taking the journey now. Yeah. You've come to the end of yourself. Congratulations. There's a whole new journey that God wants yeah. you on. And it's the most rewarding, beautiful, fulfilling journey that you could ever take in yeah. your life. That's the reason why the church exists. The reason why churches exist in the world today is so that we can take the journey that God has for us together. No one on this platform is Jesus. No one in this church is Jesus. We're all messy and we're working on it and we're trying to get better. But the great thing we have is each other. We're a gathering of people that are gonna believe the best in each other, that are gonna fight for each other, that are gonna be strong when other people are weak. And so we're here as a church to do life with you, to serve alongside you. If you don't have a home church, we would love to be your home church. If you do have a home church, make that your home church. But it's really easy to get, get connected like, I here. I gotta say it different. If you have a home church, leave your home church, <laughs> come to our church. Uh-oh, my mic fell off. It's really easy to get connected here and to get plugged in. And um, what we want to do, just make it really simple. This is Next Steps Weekend. And for you, if your next step is choosing to give Jesus your life and yeah. follow him, can you please text us? 972-945-9772 is our number. That's not an automated service. It's not just some automated line. Whether you're in this room or watching online, you can text Jesus to that number and we'll pray with you. We'll, we'll help you understand whatever your next step is that God, that God has for you. Please give us the opportunity to do that so we can do life with you. Yeah. You're not supposed to be on this journey by yourself. Yeah. So let us do that. Let us do that with you. And can we give those people that made that decision a big hand Amen. today, church? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.